But Lord, we come before you, God, um, just just in awe of who you are, Lord, and in all of all that you've done at this church, Lord, just to see what you've done here, God, is truly a miracle. It's truly you, Lord. And we ask now, God, as we take the time to study your word, as we just um, study these passages, Lord, we ask that you would speak to us, Lord. God, that not just um, those sitting in the congregation, but also myself, Lord, that, Lord, that we would learn from your word tonight, that it would come alive, that the, that the words would jump off the page, God, that your Holy Spirit would be in this place, that you'd be ministering, piercing the hearts of your people, Lord. God, that each and every one of us here would get something out of tonight, Lord. If it's just one portion, if it's the whole portion, Lord, um, God, I ask that your Holy Spirit would direct it that You would direct it to our hearts, that we would be open to receive it, Lord, that we would humble ourselves now and recognize, God, that Your Word is true, that Your Word is alive, that Your Word has um, the potential, if we allow it, God, to just reveal our hearts, Lord, like a mirror, Father. I pray that You would come in and shed light in areas that there's that light is needed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, believe it or not, my dad is more tech-savvy than me. No, he's not, but... But uh, he's, got, he's always got the PowerPoints and everything, and I don't have them. So we're going to be turning pages. And uh, the title of tonight's message is The Dangers of Jealousy. And I know you're thinking, what in the world would cause me to pick a really hard topic to teach on like that? And I just felt like the Lord wanted us to study that. So... Um, the dangers of jealousy, and we're going to start in verse um, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4. Proverbs 27, verse 4. The dictionary definition of jealousy just, uh, is feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and advantages. Feeling or showing envy of someone or their achievements and advantages. Jealousy can do a couple things. Jealousy can ruin a friendship. Jealousy can dissolve a marriage. Jealousy can divide a church. Jealousy, if if we give place to jealousy, has the potential to fragment every relationship. At every turn, jealousy can corrupt us. Um, It says in the Bible, jealousy will rot your bones. And as we're going to read here in chapter 27 of Proverbs, verse 4, Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Read that again. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? So just with this opening verse, um, as Solomon writes this, he's giving examples of, okay, wrath, yes, anger, wrong but who can even stand before jealousy just the weightiness that that the the writer shows just to the topic of jealousy is as very um, apparent here in the scripture and as the scriptures we're going to look at tonight we'll see that jealousy can truly corrupt and devour our lives if we give place to it and um, who can stand who can stand before it there's there's bad things that come from anger there's, there's bad things that come from wrath but who can stand I'm touching on that over and over again so that we can feel the weightiness as we study jealousy, as we, as we study the dangers that come with jealousy and how we can fight jealousy and ultimately how the way we should have, we should, our minds should uh, process things and, and so we don't go, come to that state of jealousy where we're 
envious of each other is um, important as we get that. So there's four points I want to make. And here are the four points. Jealousy can't stand it when others succeed. Jealousy is sad at the happiness of others. Jealousy will make you hostile towards someone who never even harmed you. Jealousy fails to recognize that God knows what He's doing. Starting up at the top, jealousy can't stand it when others succeed. We're going to um, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24, verse 12 through 14. Let's read. Then he said, O Lord, oh, am I on the right path? Yes, of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show me kindness to my master. Behold, here I stand, the well of water, and the daughters of the men in the city are coming out to draw water. That is not the right passage. Here we go. It's going to be a long night. Is it hot in here? Okay, wrong passage, but allow me to summarize briefly what those two verses said, because I do remember. It's talking about um, Isaac, he's succeeding, um, and he's succeeding in the time, and the, uh, he's getting everything. He's got everything's growing. Everything he touches is happening. The fields are growing. Everything, and the Philistines become jealous. That is the gist of those two verses. Um, I don't say it nearly as well as the scripture, but I don't know what the passage is. I'm sorry. But Isaac was succeeding, and the Philistines did not like it. So to go along with my first point, jealousy can't stand it when others succeed. So we see here Isaac succeeding, and the Philistines can't stand it. And so often in our own lives, maybe what is your reaction, give you a scenario, when a co-worker that does the same kind of work as you, they get, they get promoted instead of you. So you've got a co-worker, maybe you guys are friends, and you do the same thing, and all of a sudden they get this promotion, and they get higher pay grade, higher level of authority in, in the job place, whatever it is, and you don't. Are you happy for them? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them, of course. I'm so happy for you. Oh my gosh, I could so do that job better than him. <laughs> These are the kind of thoughts that come into our head, right? Um, do you, you tend to be like me and you think that you should be that person. That's what, that's what I think. And, and the various, even various jobs that I've had, uh, sometimes people get promoted or people get in positions and I'm just like, I could do that blindfolded. That's what I think, my own pride, obviously. And I tend to be jealous instead of happy for them. Man, praise the Lord. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. And so often, we're so often like these Philistines. Where we just, you know, we're just not, we can't find ourselves being happy for that person that's succeeding. And it, and it creeps into the walls of our church. Maybe you feel that you're the guy or girl that the Lord's ordained to keep that person humble. So therefore, you can't congratulate them. I like to use that as an um, excuse for my jealousy at times. Oh, well, I can't tell them how happy I am for them because I don't want to boost their, their confidence and I don't want them to be prideful. So don't worry, Lord, I got this. I'll keep them humble for you. 
we tend to have that attitude, and it uh, creeps into the church too. And uh, what about in ministry? Do you think that you should have been placed in that leadership position? The position that's maybe been open, or the position that maybe you've been praying towards, even maybe fasting over, praying with your wife, praying with your husband, praying with your spouse. Man, I feel like the Lord's called me to this. I feel that. And all of a sudden you come to church on Sunday and my dad gets up and says, Well, praise the Lord. We got um, so-and-so to take over this ministry. We've been praying for someone to come in and -and so-and-so come on up. You're going to take it. And it's not you. Are you happy? Are you confused? Are you jealous? Or are you jealous and you're not willing to admit you're jealous? Because... If you're not happy that they're succeeding, if you're not happy that they're being placed in this ministry role that clearly maybe you missed the mark, maybe God's called you to that, but not at this time. Do you have that kind of attitude? Like, well, praise the Lord whenever it happens. Praise the Lord if you have that attitude. But the tendency, our nature, our flesh is like, what? I thought that was was me. I thought I was going to lead that children's group. I thought I was going to lead that Bible study. I thought I was going to be the youth pastor. I thought I was the next worship leader. And we tend to think of ourselves and we tend to think in this way. My second point is jealousy is sad at the happiness of others. Jealousy is sad at the happiness of others. I'm reminded of the prodigal son. Very well known story, right? In Luke chapter 15. We're not going to turn there. I'm just going to summarize the story for you. The two sons work with their father. Father's rich. One of the sons says, hey, you know what? I want my inheritance now. I want to go out and blow it. I want to go out and blow my money, live my life, party, whatever my lifestyle, live in the flesh. So, Dad, can you give me my money now? Sure, son gives him his money. He goes out. What happens? He falls. He realizes the world has nothing to offer him. He realizes that it's just a waste of time. And not only that, but he's brought all the way down to where the pigs are. And he's with the swine, and he's with the, he's with the pigs. He does, and then he recognizes, and it dawns on him. Even my servants live better than this. Even my father's servants, excuse me, even my father's servants live better than where, where I'm at right now. And he comes to his senses, and, and he goes home. And the father, what? He sees him in a distance, and he runs out, and he greets him, and he embraces him, and says, "Welcome home, son." And the son says, I'm not even worthy to be one of your servants, but if you would just take me. And the father says, oh no, we're going to throw a party. Get the best calf. Get all the wine. Get everyone together. We're going to have a big party. My son has returned home. Great story, right? Then who comes? The other son. The son that's been day after day in the hot sun, working the fields, working for his father, doing everything he's asked. Pretty much slaving, if you will, for his father. And he says to the servant, he doesn't even greet the he doesn't even greet his brother. He says to his servant, I'm obviously summarizing the story, but he's something like, "What's going on over there? What what is this for? What I hear, you know, party music. What what's going on? Oh, haven't you heard? Your brother has returned, and your father is is, is slaughtered the calf, and he's throwing a big party for your son. Isn't it great?" And it says that he became angry. And he did not even go inside. He became angry and he didn't even go inside. He didn't even want to have 
He didn't want to have the the pleasure, the privilege of of engaging in this party and celebrating for his brother has returned. Why? Jealousy. How? It doesn't even make sense. We we would think maybe in our own in our own minds that we would be different. Oh man, if maybe some of us have family members that have drifted away, that have gone into the world, and all of a sudden, they, what if they came home? Oh, we would throw a party and we would all do it together. Or would you? What if, I don't know how to modernize it, but what if they come home and you're slaving and you're working for your dad at his company, whatever it is, and your long lost sister or brother comes home and, oh, this is awesome, let's throw a big party. And you know what? Here's the keys to a brand new Mercedes. And there you are driving a clunker. I can relate. Oh, that could have came out wrong. No, my parents... I drive a clunker. My parents have been good. Um, <laughs> they've taken care of me in more ways than I can describe. But um, how would you feel? I mean, truly, I don't know. I've got, I've got three siblings, two older sisters and my brother. And my, my younger brother, I have to say, if that happened, I don't know how happy I'd be for him. I'd be like, what? And I would be, and I, it would be funny, and it, we would joke about it, but I would totally verbalize my jealousy. I'd be like, oh, come on, Dad, I want a Mercedes. Like, man, don't you think we need that? So on and so forth. But here's what we see. And he can't even be happy, right? As I said, jealousy is sad at the happiness of others. Jealousy is sad at the happiness of others. I had a friend in high school, not going to mention his name because I feel some people in here might know him and uh, this guy got everything and it wasn't because he was rich it wasn't because his, his parents spoiled him he actually he, he grew up this, with a, his single single mom rose him um, raised him and uh, but for some reason he got everything every single blessing that ever came down from God in my opinion went to this guy and it just blew my mind like time after time after time I'd be like I'd be like, I'd be like, it was a, I had a privilege to go to a Christian school and we were going to go on this mission trip and I was scraping my pennies together to get enough money to go on this missions trip and fundraisers here and begging people at church for money. No, actually that was before CCM existed. So Calvary Chapel La Mirada, they got all my begging for money. And, uh, and, and, and all of a sudden my, my friend, you know, he was like my best friend in high school. And he'd be like, hey, what's... He'd be like, Tyler, guess what? I just got my whole trip paid for. Like, by who? I don't know. Some random. Someone donated. Someone donated. I'm like, dude, that's so cool. What? I'm so angry. (laughs) And and this is the kind of attitude I would find myself having. Like, man, why... And then... And then as I'm studying for this tonight, I'm thinking like, man, that's exactly how I was. I was jealous. I was just like this... Just like this brother. That he was so... And my friend was so happy. I get to go on this trip. Or I, he got someone, man, someone donated the guy a car, back to cars. And he got this full truck. He got an F-150 truck. And it was like in really good condition, even though it was used. And I'm just like, he's like, look, someone, someone at the church gave me this truck. Isn't it awesome? That's so cool. Man, why doesn't anyone at my church give me a car? <laughs> I want to go to your church. 
But um, we laugh about it, you know, and it is funny. But truly, this is this is one of the things that jealousy brings. And it, and I I encourage you check your spirit as we go as we as we continue to study. Check your heart. Are you happy when someone else is blessed? Are you happy when someone else is succeeding, given a promotion? When you feel that you could do that job better? When you feel that you deserve that blessing? I mean, after all, you've worked and been here so much longer than so-and-so. Check your spirit. My third point. Jealousy will make you hostile towards someone who never harmed you. Jealousy will make you hostile towards someone who never harmed you. I think of Joseph, the story of Joseph, right? Genesis chapter 37. If you guys want to note that down. Again, for the sake of time, I'm not turning to all these passages. But I think of the story of Joseph, right? His brothers get so jealous, they plot a way to kill him. Plot a way to... They don't end up killing him, right? They end up throwing him into the well, and then they end up selling him. And... um, What did Joseph do to his brothers? Joseph adored his brothers. He looked up to them in every way, shape, and form. He thought that they were everything. He thought they were so cool, they were so strong. And these brothers, they, out of jealousy because of the relationship that, of course, the youngest son, he's, he, come on, everyone, the youngest, the youngest is always spoiled. Personal. My brother is spoiled. No. No. But, I mean, all these things that the brothers could have, could have overcame this, right? They could have been like, oh, whatever, yeah, so what? You know what? We had our chance with Dad. Now we're grown up. We're grown men. We're working in the field. So the little runt gets a colorful coat. Okay, no big deal. You know, I mean, that, that's, that could have been the attitude. But no, they allowed jealousy to come into their heart. So simple. We look at it and we think it's so simple. It doesn't have to be like that. But the jealousy comes into their heart and it what? It corrupts them. It corrupts all of them. Not just one. All of the brothers. And they see him coming in a distance and they say, How, This is our chance. We can kill him. We can kill him. Hostile towards someone who never harmed you. Joseph never did anything wrong. Sure, he was... Young, naive, maybe foolish in some senses when he would share his dream with his brother. His dreams, right? The stars, they're going to fall before him. Here, uh, your stars are going to bow to my stars. And then the, the, uh, the, uh, the wheat, the sheaves, I don't know the right word, of wheat, right, are going to fall before my sheep. Maybe that wasn't the greatest thing, right? What, do you, what does that mean, Joseph? We're going to bow to you? Oh, yeah, right. Could have been laughed off. But Joseph was innocent. Joseph didn't do anything to harm these guys. Joseph was just a young kid. Just excited to share what he felt the Lord was sharing with him. I had a dream. Oh, I can't wait to tell my brothers. I can't wait to tell my older brothers whom I look up to so much. I can't wait to hear their feedback about this. Naive, not thinking that, oh, this is going to offend them. Sure. But as an... Is it, does it mean Joseph was treating them wrong? Does it mean he deserved to be mistreated by his brothers and, and for his brothers to be hostile toward him? I don't think so. And we do this so often, myself, big time. 
when uh, my wife will vouch for this because I do this stuff. I, I just can't stand that guy, and he didn't do anything. It just, 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 just someone, just someone. Maybe I don't even know, or I see someone walking down the street, and and I immediately jump to conclusions about that person. This is this is obviously not what I'm recommending, and I jump to conclusions about someone that I don't even know, and I just go, oh, "What a loser!" And I say that under my breath. Sadly, I do, and I and I and I'm and I'm really I'm just jealous because he's wearing cool jeans that I don't have or something, and I'm like, "Who does this guy think he is? He thinks he can wear his hat backwards?" You know, I'm, I mean, I'm being sarcastic, of course, but that sometimes I'm just like, and I'm just hostile towards that person, not for because they've done anything wrong to me. They, you know, they maybe they, they could be the, the greatest saint that ever lived, and I'm like, oh, what a loser that person is. And we and we're hostile towards people. Here's just here's just some of the things, not in all of these things that have I said, but maybe these are some things that I was thinking about that I've heard said, or um, just some some lines here. Must be nice to to be a stay-at-home mom while I work all day. Man, that must be nice. Good for her. She gets to stay at home and clean the house and take care of the kids. Well, I've got four kids and I got to go to work Monday through Friday. That's jealousy. Whether we whether we're going to admit to it, it is. Another thing. When we're jealous, these are some things to say. We think. He thinks he's so spiritual. He thinks he's all that. And we say this about someone else, third person, right? He thinks he's this. She thinks she's that. She thinks she's good at that. He thinks that he can run that ministry. (sighs) If only they knew that they're not spiritual, that they can't run that ministry, that I would do a much better job. Jealousy, right? Those are the things that we say under our breasts or maybe to ourselves. I can sing way better than him. I hear that all the time. (laughs) Well, this is my favorite. Must be nice that the pastor and his wife can go on a three-week vacation touring Europe. (laughs) No. I have to admit, I was jealous, but it was like a funny jealous, like, oh, mom, dad, I want to go. What's up with that? No, what a blessing that my parents get to go and experience this vacation with uh, my grandma and my grandpa and Pastor Brian and Lisa from Calvary La Mirada. They're just, what a blessing that it is that they're on that trip. But eventually this kind of jealousy, this pretty much hostile towards someone who never harmed you. Let's say I really did bring that in to me and say, oh yeah, my parents got to go on this trip and I start to dwell on it and I start to become bitter it eventually will corrupt me and it will eventually lead to other things, which will be, which what I believe here I have in my notes, it will lead to gossip, lies, deceit, and ultimately at the church especially it will lead to division. Can you imagine if we fester on these things? If, if, I were to, if I were, which I'm totally not, but if I were to somehow fester that my parents got to go on a vacation and I start to fester on this and say, it's not fair, I, I should go on that vacation and... I should be there, or I should at least got to go with them, and all these things, you know, that I could come come into having that attitude, it would lead to something else. It would lead to me maybe talking to someone in the church, maybe coming and saying, you know, my dad, your pastor, he doesn't really deserve to go on that vacation. 
something like that. I, I, it sounds bad, because I'm, but I'm totally saying that that's what it can lead to, and that's gossip. Things we hear when we're gossiping. Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? You guys, before I go on, this happens inside the church. I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking to us. We are not above this. We are not above jealousy here at CCM. None of us are. We are all susceptible to fall. We are all weak. We can all fall any moment. We can all have these thoughts in the back of our head. And if we allow it, if we allow Satan to come and, and allow us to fester in our hearts, it will lead to these things. You watch. You watch. Or maybe some of you are already there. You're already whispering things to your friends. You're already whispering to someone at work maybe. Maybe someone in your family. Maybe someone at the church. And gossip is starting to enter in. I don't even talk to her anymore. She's, she's, she's not really a nice person. Why is she not a nice person? Well, because she's leading that group that I was called to lead. Jealousy. Jealousy can creep into our walls, church. Let's turn to James chapter 3, verse 16. James chapter 3, verse 16. James 3, verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So when we're envious, when we're jealous, when that exists, we're just, we just have a little bit of evil in our hearts. Only, only it's, it's really not that bad. I mean, yeah, I'm jealous of so-and-so, but... I mean, that could just be my secret sin. That could just be something that I struggle with and maybe, you know, take to the Lord on my own time. But I, I don't feel like it's a big deal. Really? Well, every evil thing are there. Every evil thing are there. Where jealousy exists, every single evil thing is there. So if jealousy exists where? In your heart? What's in your heart? Every evil thing. This isn't Tyler, this is Scripture. Every evil thing. And it's, you guys, church, it is one of the number one things that churches struggle with. Inside the walls of the church. It's so sneaky. It's so deceiving the way the devil brings it in. But that's how he gets us. You think it's gossip? Gossip starts from jealousy. You don't start to gossip about somebody until you're jealous of them. Why are you going to talk bad about somebody? The only reason you're going to talk bad about them is because you think that you could do their job better or you're jealous of them or they're succeeding, they're blessed, they have money, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. So now I'm going to gossip about that person, put that person down because my own insecurity. That's the way the devil works. Every evil thing, you guys. 
which moves me to my fourth point. Or, yeah, fourth point. Jealousy fails to recognize that God knows what He is doing. You put jealousy in your heart, you're basically saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. And I'll tell you why. The clay doesn't say to the potter, what have you done? I want to look like that pot. I want to look like her. I want to look like him. I want to be in that position. I want to be used in this way. What are you doing, Lord? Do you know what you're doing? Can't you see I'm way more gifted in this? Can't you see that I'm way more the person for the job? Do you know what you're doing? And we question God. We don't say that, but when you're jealous, when you allow this to come into your heart, you're saying that. We're saying it. We think we know better than God. If you guys can turn with me to 1 Corinthians. Through my closing passage from the night. 1 Corinthians 12. you guys can bear with me, I'm going to read verses 12 through 26. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. It is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Verse 23. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor and are unpresentable parts have greater modesty but our presentable parts have no need but God composed the body having given the greater honor to that part which lacks it that there should be no schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another and if one member suffers all the members suffer with it or if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it so I believe that this is our answer to unity. This is our answer to conquering jealousy in the church, in our life, in our workplace, in our families. This one body mindset, this one body that that, um, the Apostle Paul is getting across. Look... And it makes so much sense, right? It's, it's, so, it's so clear the way Paul writes this. It is so clear. 
We cannot say that we don't need our feet. What would we do? We think our brain's the most important. Oh, you can't take my brain. Can't take my head. Okay, well, I can take your feet. Oh, yeah, uh, no. Can't take my feet. And it, and it makes so much sense when it comes to the church. Each and every one of us are called to a different part of the church. Can you imagine if, if everyone in our church was thought that they should be a pastor? Can you imagine trying to fit all of you up here on stage? That's silly. That's silly, Tyler. It is silly. It's very silly when you put it that way. Not everyone can be a pastor. Can you imagine if everyone wanted to teach second grade? All the adults in the second grade classroom. It's, it's comical. It doesn't make any sense. But for some reason, we challenge God when we're jealous. When we go back to those previous points when we're, that I made. When we're not happy for so-and-so. When we're, when we're not happy that they're succeeding and we're not. So, if you feel like you're struggling with jealousy right now, if you feel like you're here tonight and this is something, as I've been talking, we've been sharing these scriptures and we've been studying and you go, oh my gosh, I didn't think I was jealous, but man, when you put it that way, I'm like really jealous. You first must, must, the first thing you must do is recognize that it is sin. And then you must repent and ask the Lord to help you. Because you cannot do it on your own. You cannot do it on your own. And maybe you're thinking, well... That's good, good uh, study on jealousy, Tyler, but that's really something I've never struggled with. I would ask you to check your heart. I would ask you to really check your heart tonight. And if any of these things, if you have, if you've had any of these thoughts, recognize, you know what, it is something I struggle with. When so-and-so got that promotion last year, I was actually really hurt and I was upset because I felt I deserved it. Check, check your spirit. In closing, as we just read in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this unity, this idea of unity in the church, I don't want to end the night just talking about, oh, don't be jealous, this is what jealousy does this is you know so on and so forth I want to end with the mindset of how can we be unified as a church how can we come together as this as this one body with many members that Paul is talking about I believe that first and foremost you guys is we need to recognize who's in charge If we can come to the realization of who is in charge, whose church is this? It all falls into place. With everything that we do, whose life is this? My life is yours. What did we sing tonight? All I am 
is yours. No, no, just part of me is yours. All I am is yours. So who's in charge? The Lord's in charge. If we can somehow convince ourselves to believe that, to have faith in that, to trust in God's Word, that He's in charge, I believe that we won't have a problem with jealousy. Because how can we? Well, so-and-so got that job because God wanted so-and-so to have that job. Well, so-and-so's placed in that ministry position that I've been praying and felt called to that ministry position, but God obviously has a different plan than Tyler. God obviously has a different plan than me. God's in charge. How can jealousy come in if we have that mindset? I, I believe it can't. I believe when we recognize this is the Lord's church, and if we want to take it outside of the church, when we recognize this is the Lord's vessel, I am His, I believe that um, jealousy can't creep in. God knows exactly what He's doing. God knows exactly what we need. God knows exactly when we need it. God knows exactly when to allow blessing and when to allow trial in your life. God knows exactly what gifts you can handle. Stop there just for a second. I'd like to talk about the insecurities that some of us have. Man, it's not something that's ever talked about, but we all know it's reality. Especially in today. Especially today. People thinking that they're just so insecure. I mean, it, it even leads to suicide, right? We hear about it all the time. Maybe you have a loved one that's committed suicide. Maybe you know someone's committed suicide. Maybe you hear it on the news. Read about it. Whatever it is. That's obviously the, the ultimate. The, the worst thing that could happen. But we struggle with it. We struggle with this insecurity. God knows exactly what gifts you can handle. The reason I say that is, is maybe, maybe you feel like, man, I just feel like I'm not good enough. You know, I feel like, why did God give him all the gifts? Why did God give her all the gifts? I get nervous in front of people. I can't sing. I can't play an instrument. I can't teach the kids. I can't do this. I can't do that. God, you just really got a messed up guy here. You just really messed me up, Lord. And then you see so-and-so. Oh, they're so good at this. They're so good at that. I have no ability. I have no talents. I have no gifts. What am I good for? What am I here on earth for? Why am I living? Heck, world would be a better place without me. It's the domino effect that happens. We recognize God's in charge. We recognize God knows what we can handle. God knows that I can't handle being seven foot. I don't know how He knows, but He knows. God, I wish I was seven foot and I played in the NBA. No, Tyler, you can't handle that. He knows. I'm trying to make light of it, but if we have that mindset, if if we practice... If we put our mind to the practice of that mindset, that I am the way I am because God chose me that way. God chose to make me this way. God chose me to make me with these these quirks. God chose me to make me nerdy. God chose me to make me 
funny in this situation and not so funny in this situation. God, God chose me to not play guitar. God chose me just to, to sit and, and maybe pray for someone after service. God chose me to clean the bathrooms. Guess what? Can the hand say to the foot, I don't need you? Who would we say is the, is the most important role in the church? The pastor? I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily that's the most important role. Then who? The, the, the worship team? The worship leader? The ushers? The person who teaches the high school? The children's ministry? Who's the most important? There is none. God sees us all equal. If there was no one to clean the bathrooms, no one would come to church. Would you come to church? Or come and go? Don't forget to go to the restroom before we leave, honey. You know you don't want to go to church. There's so many things that happen here at church. There's so many things that the body comes together, you guys. The body comes together. It is crazy. It is crazy to see the body come together. And I can't imagine it any other way. I can't imagine that we were missing, that if so-and-so was just more like this person, then we'd be more of a complete church. No. Every member is important. Every person plays a role at the church. Every church, specifically this church. You watch. You come to an event. You come to our harvest night coming up, right? Most of us will be there, hopefully all of us. You see how the body comes together. You will see how an event that looks like a paid event that took hours and hours, which it did take hours and hours, but you, you're like, this is impossible. There's no way a church can pull this off. And you see so-and-so who you never, you never even knew his name. You see him running a booth. And you see him picking up a toy and handing it to the kid with a smile. And you see that kid smiling. And you tell me that that person's not important. You tell me just because they're not teaching on Sunday. You tell me because they're maybe just someone that sits in the back row and maybe scoots out, but they come to this event and they hand that to a kid and that kid's got a smile on his face and he says, Hey, Jesus loves you. You tell me that's not important. There's no way. That's way more important. That's way more important than maybe necessarily what... The, 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 the music team's doing on the stage. We're on stage. We're in front of everybody, right? Those who have come to our harvest nights. We're on stage. We're playing music. We're in front. We're center of attention, if you will. And there's all these things going on behind the scenes that we don't even know. Am I, am I playing a role on stage playing? Absolutely. Is that the role that I feel the Lord's placed me in in this season? Absolutely. But when I hear stories about what some of you or some others are doing, I'm like... That is so much more important than me playing a guitar. And yet everyone thinks that that's one of the more important things. Or maybe giving the sermon. What about the person that's behind the building that was too afraid to come in because he doesn't like the social gathering. And there's, and there's a guy who's walking, maybe taking out the trash, and he finds a guy sitting there. And he says, Do you know Jesus? Do you know what He's done for you? Well, let me tell you how He's changed my life and leads a man to salvation that is too afraid to come into the event, but that gets touched by the Holy Spirit because so-and-so 
who, who maybe we would assume a nobody goes out and reaches and touches that life. And when I hear a story, when I hear the testimony of what the Lord is doing in this church, when I hear things like this, I sit back and I say, man, if we didn't have every member of the body, this would not work. If we weren't all unified as one, if we didn't all go with the mindset of, I'm going to do my task, I'm going to do my job, and so-and-so is going to do their job, so-and-so is going to do the job, and we're all going to come together as one body, and we're going to change the world. That mindset is how we change the world. The disciples, who were they? A bunch of knuckleheads. Knuckleheads, as my dad would call me growing up. You knucklehead. Knuckleheads. And they come together and they turn the world upside down. Fishermen, tax collectors, you name it. Upside down. All that to say, God knows the gifts that He's given and He's given them accordingly. God knows exactly what the body needs. Close with this. If you find yourself worried about the blessing of someone else, understand that God has you exactly where He wants you and be happy for what He has provided. If you find yourself in that, in that state of mind, or maybe slipping into that state of mind of you just don't understand how so-and-so is so blessed. Just remember everything the Lord's done for you. Remember everything that God's done in your life. Remember how He's rescued you. How He saved you. How you were a sinner. How you were dirt. And He made you righteous. And He made you holy. Through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus. That's enough, church. That's enough. That is enough for me. That my Lord took the time to save me? That is enough. I don't need the gifts. I don't need the talent. I don't need this. I don't need this position. I don't need this title. Lord, I am happy to be called your child. I am happy to be called yours, your son, your daughter. Let it be enough. Let God be enough. We are many members of what? One body. Many members of one body. Let's pray.